Did you catch President Trump at CPAC? He was awesome. Lots of truth, candor. He now has a record to run on that's very, very impressive and a terrible successor in the White House. I thought he was great. It looks like if he wants 2024, it's there. I know it's a long way out. We got the midterms first, but uh, here's a little bit from yesterday. In a matter of mere months, Joe Biden has brought our country to the brink of ruin. Right here in Texas, we are the epicenter of a border and migration crisis unlike anything anyone has ever seen before in the history of our country. When I was president, illegal alien criminals knew that if they trespassed across our border, they would be caught, they would be detained, and they would be sent to jail or we would send them the hell back to where they came from. You see the crime wave. Even without this, you see all in Democrat-run cities. Please remember that. The bloodshed and violence in these cities is reaching epidemic proportions. The Democrat-controlled media talks race, race, race for political reasons. And they always have, but never like this. But it's hurting our country and more than anyone else, our great minority communities. With the help of everyone here today, we will defeat the radical left, the socialist Marxists, and the critical race theorists. <laughs> Whoever thought would be even using that term. We will secure our borders. We will stop left-wing cancel culture. We will restore free speech and fair elections, and we will make America great again. It's very simple. Very simple. See what I mean? It was awesome. It was refreshing. You know, so many people are tiptoeing around trying to figure out what to say, what not to say, and he comes right out and he says it. And that goes for Democrats and plenty of Republicans as well. The numbers uh, from CPAC, very impressive for the president. Yes, 70% to Ron DeSantis. Is, hey, another good guy, but he's only at 21%. It's early, of course. Anything can happen. I believe President Trump is one of the most effective communicators in the history of this country, uh, history of the world, perhaps. It's impressive. But there were a few things that happened yesterday that I want to emphasize. He gave some bait to the fake news to ignore the substance of what he was talking about. Take a look at this. And they kept on spying on the Trump campaign. In addition, the press is part of this crooked operation. You know that. Election rules were changed. Big tech censored the opposition. Political violence was legitimized and encouraged by the left. And then Trump, the president of the United States, was banned from the social media, as we call it, by sleazebags. I was banned by sleazebags. I was banned by bad people. They're far worse. I don't say I'm perfect, but they're far worse than I am, I will tell you. They are far worse. In other words, the entire system was rigged against the American people and rigged against a fair, decent, and honest election. You see what happens here? Now, I have concerns about the fairness of the election. We all do. But the fake news they seize on to the extent that they're paying attention. Oh, my God, did you hear? He called him a sleazebag. Oh, and he's repeating the big lie about the election. 
That gives him an excuse to ignore what he said in the previous part of that statement, which is all true, all incontrovertible, yet it goes unreported. They kept on spying on the Trump campaign. In addition, the press is part of this crooked operation. You know that. Election rules were changed. Big tech censored the opposition. Political violence was legitimized and encouraged by the left. Political violence was legitimized and encouraged by the left. That happened. Big tech uh, censored stories that were negative to Democrats. That happened. Rules were changed because of COVID and the run-up to the election. That happened. And the Trump campaign was spied upon. But when you say the guy's a sleazebag and when you're talk, talking about the rigged election, everybody gets very upset and they ignore the honest, uh, incontrovertible facts of the election. I find that pretty wild. There was also this. It's a message for conservatives, true conservatives everywhere. For decades, the conservative movement acted as if all that mattered were policy fights in Washington or that all it would take to prevail was winning a small handful of Supreme Court cases. And we're disappointed in the Supreme Court. I'm disappointed. But the battle is so much bigger and so much broader than any of that. The radical left has been methodically taking over every giant centralized institution in American life. The school systems, you see that. The universities, the bar associations. Look at what happened to Rudy. Hollywood, journalism, the big banks, big tech, and even the Supreme Court. Yeah, even the Supreme Court, but conservatives have been focused on the court and policy. But there is so much more at stake, and we haven't been playing in that battlefield for way, way, way too long. Um, Hollywood, big banks, big tech, all that stuff, they've got an advantage. The far left does. I want to emphasize a new book. Uh, promote it, if you will. Uh, it's called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds by Michael Knowles. You probably have heard of him. He's been on the show a number of times. He says that the uh, debate about political correctness is very shallow, and our response to it as conservatives has been shallow as well. I want to put up a little portion here, uh, again, from the book. Many bums are junkies, a term that has long given way to the politically correct formulation addict or even the more recent person with a substance use disorder, as former President Barack Obama's drug czar once suggested. Drunkards and druggies make poor decisions and live with the consequences, but victims of the disorder or disease of drug use cannot be held responsible for their miserable state. By its speech codes, political correctness removes responsibility and therefore the possibility of any coherent moral code. Under political correctness, saying the right thing supplants doing the right thing. Um, look, it's a bit complicated. The guy's brilliant. I think we got to buy books like this. I think we have to support conservative writers and the conservative movement uh, because big tech, the left, uh, they are working against us. And something else that he raises... This politically correct debate, it's not, oh, look at how silly they are when they use certain terms. This is actually about controlling thought, controlling our actions and controlling thought. Now, take a look at this. What I'll do as president what Donald Trump hasn't. I'll fight for you. I will fight for you. I want to fight for you. Okay, all politicians say fight for you. They never mean it. They said it, uh, but they're playing a trick on us now. 
They're trying to say because of January 6th, well, we on our side can't talk about fighting because when you talk about fighting, you're somehow encouraging that. You know that's been exaggerated January 6th, but this is really happening. The left, they're calling me out when I say the word fight. Let's talk about pro-Trump media's responsibility, TV network's responsibilities. Here are uh, just a few examples of the rhetoric on Fox News and Newsmax and OAN in the run-up to Wednesday. Listen to the word that keeps getting repeated here. He's still fighting for us. He is fighting for us. Now, we have to fight for him. You hear him saying we have to fight for him. We have to fight for Trump. How much responsibility should we be assigning to pro-Trump media? I give me a break. It's disgusting what they're suggesting, all right? Not saying <laughs> fighting. It's a word that everybody uses all the time. But this, this is an example of the games at the far left that they're playing, and even not so far left. They want to control us. They want to control our language. And they want to actually, next time I say fight, I'm like, oh, God, everybody, I don't mean actually fight. I mean with it. You know what I mean. And they're trying to pervert it. And they use January 6th as the ultimate excuse. It's also the ultimate lie. We'll be right back with Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. say is that the fake news just doesn't get it. The fake news. They're still not talking and they haven't talked about Ashley Babbitt. Young Trump supporter on Capitol Hill shot and killed by police even though she was unarmed and not posing a deadly threat. What happened to her is indefensible, I believe. Still don't know all the facts. Interesting that after this happened, the Capitol Hill police, since that happened, all those months ago, all these months ago, they have not held a press conference, a basic press conference about this matter. When you shoot somebody, it's a big deal if you're running a police department. It just is. All right. Now, they have made their officers available for beautiful photo shoots regarding January 6th, but just what they went through, just about the heroism. Just ask them. They're all heroes. Even though a lot of these cops, we saw them on tape, people just walked right in. What about those questions? Why haven't they been answered? And why haven't we gotten basic facts about the case? This is how it works in law enforcement. You put out the information. You don't cover up. You don't cover up at this level. It's astounding to me. So several years ago, there was a horrible shooting outside the Empire State Building. Uh, a guy pulled out a gun, pointed it at two cops, and the cops, well, they opened fire and they killed the guy. They also hit some innocent bystanders, okay? Uh, there were some minor injuries. This was uh, quite a day here in New York. Now, what did the police commissioner do at the time? He actually told the public everything he knew, all right? The police commissioner happens to uh, be my dad, Ray Kelly. He and the mayor, just about two or three hours after this incident, uh, went before the international media and told them everything they knew about what had just happened and the investigation so far. As the two officers approached Johnson, 
He pulled his 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol from his bag and fired on the officers, who returned fire, killing him. An additional nine individuals were either wounded or grazed during the exchange. Johnson had been employed for six years at Hazan Imports, H-A-Z-A-N Imports, as a designer of women's accessories. During a downsizing at the company about a year ago, Johnson was laid off. You hear the level of detail? This is standard. You tell the public what you know. You also acknowledge that the police, yeah, they hit some bystanders. They shouldn't have been shot, but they were. Fortunately, everybody survived and the injuries weren't that serious. But information, information, information from the mayor, too. One person and at least nine other people were shot, and some may have been shot accidentally by police officers who responded immediately and while confronting the suspect and fatally shooting him. Uh, unfortunately, there may have been other victims as well. In front of the building, Johnson produced the pistol and fired at close range, striking his 41-year-old victim in the head. We're withholding the victim's identity until family notifications can be made. This is how it's done. On the day of the incident, putting all the information out there and not holding back because you think someone's feelings are going to be hurt. Someone was shot in the head. They reported that. Why don't we know more about Ashley Babbitt? Hmm? Why are they holding? Why haven't we had a similar type press conference for her? And what do we have from the Capitol Police? These silly, glorifying photo shoots when they don't, quite frankly, in my opinion, deserve it. All right. Going to go on to something not as serious. Uh, I think it's kind of silly, but a lot of people disagree with me. I'm talking about Richard Branson, the uh, astronaut. It was exhilarating to watch. It really was. So you can imagine how exhilarating it must have felt to be high above Earth and going through all of this. This is the moment that Branson and his team have been waiting for. Oh, Brian, I got to pause. I got to take this in. Uh, this is really an incredible moment here. Uh, I'm not as impressed as that person is. All right. Sorry. Um, let's take a look at Branson. He's not that high up. That's why he doesn't have to wear a space helmet, by the way. Take a look at this. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. All right, I guess it's nice. He's a billionaire. He can do whatever he wants. But um, this is not as impressive as I think we've been told by the fake news. Number one, this guy is tight with Obama, okay? Fellow billionaires. I think Barack Obama is about a billionaire. And just, I kept thinking this yesterday because I'm so kind of depressed that we haven't been back to the moon since 1972 and everyone's jumping up and down about Richard Branson going on this little space flight. He didn't go half as high as Alan Shepard, the first astronaut in space, went 60 years ago, all right? Now, that was entailed risk, and again, he went twice as high as Richard Branson. So, what? Am I being a jerk on this one? I might be, but I just want to get to the moon already. And now what? Uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he's going to do it. This is a billionaire thing, and uh, it kind of turns me off somehow. Now, I don't think anybody should be canceled. I hate cancel culture. But if we're going to cancel anybody, I think we should start canceling the people who are saying that 
January 6th was worse than September 11th. Have you heard this? There are people out there pushing this big time. People like, excuse me, uh, Steve Schmidt. Steve Schmidt, seen here with Nicole Wallace, superstar over there at MSNBC. Uh, now, Schmidt, he worked for George W. Bush. He worked for John McCain. Both of these two helped sell the Iraq war. Both of these two stabbed Sarah Palin in the back when she was the vice presidential nominee for the Republicans. Those two were working for her and tripping her up every step of the way. These two were rewarded. They were glorified in some TV show about that campaign. Look at that. Uh, Woody Harrelson played Steve Schmidt. All right. Now, these two are very practiced liars. And if you listen, Nicole Wallace actually boasts about being a, a practiced spin doctor. I don't think people should show up at talking points. I think you've got to bring more. I'm determining whether sure. or not you're going to come on this show and tell me the truth or lie. I've written platitudes. I've written spin. I've written talking points. And we don't have any of that. See? See that? She was in government, and she did all that stuff. She wrote talking points. She wrote the platitudes. She lied about Iraq, and so did Steve Schmidt. And so did anybody associated with the George W. Bush administration just about. The Iraq war was the <laughs> most catastrophic mistake this country has ever made. And there are still people, architects of that war, promoters of that war, who are walking around, receiving all kinds of money and all kinds of accolades just because they're against Trump. And it's a disgrace. All right, now this. Black lives do matter, not just when the Black Lives Matter movement says they only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, all black lives matter. All lives matter. But right now I'm going to focus on 13-year-old Jarian Elliott, 13 years old, shot and killed in the Bronx Sunday afternoon. Now, police say a gunman got out of the backseat of a car in the middle of a street at around 3 in the afternoon and opened fire at two boys on the street. Now, detectives believe that Elliot was a gang member and the intended target of an assassination, just 13 years old and in a gang. He was struck in the chest and ankle. The shooter got in the car and drove off. He would have turned 14 at the end of the month. A family friend says the economic toll of the pandemic had a very negative impact on the neighborhood and community. We should be throwing away the keys on uh, gun violence, repeat offenders. Throw away the keys on these people. They should not be let out on the street anymore. Just 13 years old, Jarian Elliott. Already, they say, in a gang. Life over. What a shame. Folks, stay with us. Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani will be here. There's Jenna, a hero to a lot of us for the fight she waged uh, for President Trump. We'll be right back. President Trump at CPAC. I thought he was great. You should watch it. It's available uh, on the Internet. He talked a lot about election fairness or lack thereof. Somebody who is working with President Trump in the trenches, uh, Jenna Ellis, the attorney. Now she is the host of Just the Truth on Real America's Voice Network, a Newsmax contributor as well. Jenna, welcome back. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Greg. Thanks. Jenna, there are some specifics I want to talk about in this new Michael Wolff book. But first, overall, I have heard this uh, from some key figures. I've never run it by you that President Trump, when he was fighting that fight after the election before inauguration about fairness, he was done in 
as much by Republicans, key Republicans, as by Democrats, that there were certain Republicans who should have been fighting for him but were so eager to throw in the towel and uh, they undermined him. Do you buy that? Oh, absolutely. And I just had Bernie Carrick on my show earlier as well, and he was right there with the legal team with myself and Rudy Giuliani, and he affirmed that as well. We saw that uh, from the depths of the inside, that the RNC was not supportive of President Trump. And the sinister nature of this, Greg, is not just that the party that supposedly supported President Trump was not with him in the aftermath of the election. They were telling the American people that they were, and they were fundraising off of it. But the lawyers, particularly the RNC chief counsel, Justin Reimer was specifically saying that what Rudy and Jenna are doing is a joke. He was saying that uh, the, the that the RNC fundraises more when uh, a Democrat is in office in the office of, of the presidency. I mean, these kinds of things that were so malicious and outright uh, lying to the American people from what they were projecting of support of President Trump versus what they were actually thinking and doing on the inside. So it's absolutely true. President Trump would be in office right now if two things had happened. One, the RNC was more supportive genuinely of President Trump prior to the election, had an actual strategy in place to have lawyers that could help other than just myself and Rudy were really the ones on the legal team that were going around. And second, that the state legislatures absolutely should have reclaimed their delegates. They knew that corruption was present on every level in the administration of the election. They should have reclaimed their delegates and actually moved the vote forward and sent an accurate certification certification to Congress. Well, if the state legislatures who were Republican controlled had done their job, President Trump would still be in office. So listen, I guess maybe we should. When I heard that Ronna Romney McDaniel was elevated to Republican national chair, I had my concerns, you know, her middle name, Romney, and I didn't, I, you know, it turns out, well, you characterize her. She's still on the job, I believe. Uh, she is related to Mitt Romney. One might suspect that she has a an allegiance, perhaps, to Mitt and um, maybe some resentment of President Trump. Um, what's your take on her? Well, she has an allegiance to money, and she has an allegiance to having the RNC continue, regardless of whether that is pro-Trump or anti-Trump or where, um, which wind, you know, way the wind blows. And that is so establishment corrupt, it's disgusting, because uh, the Republican Party should be principled and should move forward the America First agenda because that is the principles of liberty and freedom. And that's why Americans love President Trump. But for Ronna McDaniel, it's all about the money. It's all about fundraising. And that's what the RNC is all about. And so they, sure, they supported President Trump, but did they really? Establishment Republicans, even like Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, they will turn their back on President Trump and you and me, the voters, as soon as they get the opportunity, because it's all about power to them. It's all about the money to them. And because money means that they get to stay in power. They don't care about you and me and the voters or advancing any sort of agenda. All they care about is the self-interested nature of the swamp's corruption. And that's what's so disgusting about this story. And it's true. And for Rana to allow her RNC spokesperson to lie about this story when she right. had the emails from Justin Reimer, that is absolutely corrupt. She needs to resign. Well, all right. So you mentioned this. Let's go through it again, though. I want to put up this new book by Michael Wolf. 
It's uh, a version, his version about the, the election. This guy, by the way, is a, he makes stuff up all the time. The Final Days of the Trump Presidency by Michael Wolff. Now, in the book, and there's a summary of this. We'll go to the, the insider, if you don't mind. Let's go ahead and put up the quote about what happened. And you apparently were, were here when this happened. In the note, yes. Reimer, the guy on the left, the RNC lawyer who's still there, I believe, Reimer reportedly wrote to his RNC colleagues asking why they were backing Trump's unfounded claims of election fraud while also expressing that the organization raised more cash battling Democrats than challenging election results. Um, all right. Now, wait a second. He could have just been watching all the fake news that was saying, hey, this thing is over. This thing is over. It's time to give up. Uh, is that a possibility that he was duped like a lot of other people? Well, he's the chief counsel for the RNC, so if he's duped, then he should resign just for being stupid. But no, he absolutely knew what was going on. And I put out those emails tonight on my show on Just the Truth. So those are now out in the public domain. Uh, they were apparently from his actual RNC account. And listen, Justin Reimer has every... Uh, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, but what he's not entitled to is to not support Trump, but then the organization that he works for go out and say that they are supporting Trump when they're actively undermining Trump. That's the lie here. And then for the RNC spokesperson to say that this story was false just because Michael Wolf, of course, he's not, you know, really that credible. We all know that. I'm not endorsing, you know, all of his projects or anything, but this particular story was correct, this excerpt, and the RNC and Ronna McDaniel and Justin Reimer knew it, but the RNC spokesperson still denied it as yeah. false. That's the problem. So, Jenna, why would you want to stay in the Republican Party? You uh, doesn't sound like you uh, have a home there. And I heard I was just passed a note that you might have an announcement uh, to make regarding your affiliation as a Republican. Yes. Well, I also announced today that I am leaving the Republican Party until the Republican Party comes back home to conservatives. I will stand up and champion truth, conservative principles, our Declaration of Independence as America's charter and the U.S. Constitution. But I will not stand and abide by a party that says that we have to support everything that comes under the banner of our even though it's not conservative. For Rana, for example, to tweet um, in affirmation of Pride Month for this whole infrastructure bill, for what Mitch McConnell said about President Trump in the aftermath of the second impeachment hoax, all of these things are not conserving our principles of liberty and justice for all. They're not conserving our Constitution. So I'm not going to stand by and support a party that doesn't support my values. And if every single registered Republican who's a true conservative demands of the Republican Party, you actually have have to be conservative, otherwise we're not giving to you. The RNC is money dependent. It's dependent on donors and fundraising. The only way that they are able to get away with these lies and not actually representing us in Washington is because the people haven't stood up and said enough is enough. I am. I'm saying enough is enough. I'm done. Jenna Ellis. Wow. Uh, we appreciate it so much and appreciate your uh, your efforts and your work. Uh, we'll check out Just the Truth on Real America's Voice Network and uh, you'll be back on Newsmax soon. All the best, and thanks yes. a lot. Hey, your former colleague thanks, Rudy Greg. Giuliani is coming up. We'll be right back. Or the land of the free and the home of Look at what they're doing to incredible people like Rudy Giuliani. I mean, he's an incredible... Greatest mayor in the history of the city of New York. 
great crime fighter. You see what the hell is happening to our cities, New York in particular. But one of the great crime fighters of his generation has had his law license taken away by the radical left, all because he was fighting against an election result that he saw was corrupt. President Trump speaking about our next guest, Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayor, two-term mayor of New York City, welcome back. And uh, hey, is he still, he's still got your back, it sounds like. Mr. Mayor, welcome. How are you? Well, he's right. I mean, it's, uh, it's a terrible thing for our country. Uh, obviously, it's not a nice thing for me, but it's even worse for our country. that Somebody had come after your law license, and I had the Southern District two and a half years trying to invent a crime. Largely, I mean, only because I represented President Trump. They, they didn't go invade my account, my uh, my email account, until uh, I represented President Trump. You know, almost the very day. We've been through the uh, the complaint from the bar, the ruling that temporarily uh, suspended oh. you, at least temporarily, and uh, it reads like a you know a script from an MSNBC show. It's not a strong case in our opinion. And by the way. You've pointed out, others have pointed out, there are people accused of firebombing police vehicles. Two lawyers, by the way, who are still <laughs> licensed to practice law. These two right here, they're both lawyers. I know they don't look that way right now, the way they're dressed, but they are accused of firebombing a police vehicle last summer. They are still licensed to practice law. It seems like such an outrage. What is the latest? I know you're fighting, of course, you're a fighter. What's next for you? How are you going to get this thing back? Well, I mean, we uh, we have the proof that everything that I said was based on the testimony of other people. They never bothered to look at a single affidavit. I, I, uh, I, I, I submitted my own affidavit explaining the basis for what I said. And I also said we have, you know, 300 affidavits and any of them are available to you if you want to check on what I'm saying. They made believe I didn't say that. And they just concluded that I hadn't given them affidavits. I mean, the intellectual dishonesty of the opinion is shocking. And people should and, read it. Uh, people should read it because it is actually as amazing. Lawyer, as a lawyer of 50 years who has a career that I think is far more accomplished than any of them, uh, I'd like to know what they did for the city and country that is comparable to what I did. Well, we are fully aware they, they, of your... Sorry, I, have to, we, we, I, I want to get you on. I, I have to move on to the book situation. Look, you know we're on your side in that fight big time. Keep yeah, us up. Sad people, though. Really, really sad people. It's a shame that you, lawyers sell themselves like that. There's a new book called Landslide by Michael Wolf, And uh, in it, uh, reportedly, it's described that you became aware and Jenna became aware and Bernie Kerrick became aware that key Republicans in RNC leadership were not doing your side any favors whatsoever. In fact, they were undermining President Trump and they even seemed to be eager. This is Republicans, by the way, Republican leadership eager to get him out. Can you confirm that? One hundred percent. Yeah, sure. Absolutely true. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen excerpts from Wolf's book. Probably every other one that I saw was false. Uh, this happens to be true. <laughs> so I guess even even a uh, confirmed liar can tell the truth occasionally. So this one happens to be true. You know, one of the reasons they're false is Rima's not the only Republican trying to undermine President Trump. And uh, Wolf got a lot of his information from some of the Republicans that were the biggest at trying to undermine. 
And therefore, it's like false information that they get, that they gave him. And they were actually closer to President Trump than this guy. But this guy was uh, caught basically saying it's over. Let's uh, let's not cooperate with Jenna and with Rudy uh, with this ridiculous attempt to show voter fraud, all of which, by the way, is supported by 300 affidavits and videotapes. And I mean, this moron has no idea what kind of proof we have. So he just dismisses it. And then he goes on and says something about Republicans do better when we lose the presidency and raising money anyway. So I called Rona from a restaurant when I found out about it. And I said, I, uh, you know, this guy's got to go right now, immediately. I mean, I'll get the president involved if you want. But yeah. I think maybe it'd be better, Rona, if you just got rid of him. He's still on she the job, said, Mr. Mayor. Tomorrow. No, she said, I'll He's do still... it tomorrow. No, I said, I think you do it tonight, right now. Yeah. Get rid of him right now. And it didn't and, happen. But he's back again. Right. Right. No, he's, he's still on the job. Again. Hey, That's outrageous. It, it, That's outrageous. It, I, uh, I, I'm baffled myself. Hey, very quickly, sir, as we wrap up, um, Ashley Babbitt, you know what happened to her. Uh, I am astounded. You know, I, I thought back to when you were mayor, to when my father was police commissioner. When a police shot somebody, when a policeman killed somebody, whether it was a good shooting or a bad shooting, and yes, there are good shootings and bad shootings, that's a uh, term of the trade, you had to put every, everything out there. Uh, you put it out there. Mayor Bloomberg, Commissioner Kelly, they would go before the media and put it all out there. How do they how do they justify not briefing the public on the basic facts of this of this moment? Because this was a completely phony uh, operation here. They tried to they tried to take uh, this this uh, unfortunate trespass, which shouldn't have been done and make it into an insurrection. Well, first of all, this is the only insurrection in which a shot wasn't fired. Uh, the only shot fired is the one shot by the police officer at an, at an unarmed woman, which they don't want to talk about. So uh, there's a whole plot behind this, and I'm not sure I understand all of it. But how, how is it that this thing all shows up on, the, on a video taken yeah. by an Antifa member, paid for by CNN, and he just happens to be there when the shooting takes place, and he just happens to know where the gun is located? And none of the police have any interest in that? I showed that the night it happened to three different New York City former detectives. Every single one of them, I can't repeat the words, you know how they said it. They said, well, one of them was absolutely certain. The other two said it had to be investigated. I mean, this is impossible. You have to invest. I hope, I, hope, I hope the cops got a good explanation. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mayor, uh, we still have questions and they're not going away. This we is an outrage. Stop. We will this not is an stop. We'll not stop asking them. Mr. Mayor, Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, to be continued, sir. Thanks for being with us. We'll be right back. So there's President Trump yesterday at CPAC. I thought the speech was great. And, uh, well, he's got a lot of fans there. Check out the straw poll results. Overwhelmingly in favor of the former president, 70 percent for Donald J. Trump. Uh, Ron DeSantis at 21 percent in the straw poll. Um, I got to figure out exactly what a straw poll is. I'm going to ask that of Jim McLaughlin in a moment. Jim is the pollster for McLaughlin as an associates, pollster for the Trump 2020 campaign and also the 2016 campaign. And Mark Meadows 
former chief of staff to President Trump. I think he was the favorite chief of staff. I'm, I'm pretty confident <laughs> in that. And now he's senior partner at the Conservative Partnership Institute, a think tank in D.C. Gentlemen, welcome. Um, Mark, are you impressed or surprised by the amount of support for President Trump? Well, I'm not surprised, and I know Jim will agree with me. He's not surprised in the level of support. Uh, the only thing that's a little surprising is is when you have someone like Donald Trump, like President Trump, coming out with a 70 percent uh, straw poll, and he's not announced. The only reason it wasn't over 90 is because the fact is they're hedging their bets on whether he's actually going to run. And I can tell you, he's going to be making more speeches this summer then Joe Biden made the entire campaign. And newsflash, none of them will be from the basement. <laughs> well, the speech yesterday was a grand slam, in my opinion. Uh, forgive me, Jim, but what technically is a straw poll? What it is, is we basically talk to all the people that go to CPAC, the members. There are over 4,000 members now. There was about 1,500 people that actually responded to the poll. But it's literally... The, the the grassroots, the rank-and-file conservatives from across the country. And one interesting point I want to make, I've been involved with CPAC. I've been going to these things for years, and I've seen it in the past. You know, when George Bush was out of office, you know, the, the, the conservative movement moved on from him. When McCain lost, they moved on from him. When Romney lost, they moved on from him. What's happening, though, these conservatives at CPAC, they're not moving on from Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump to run again. What was interesting was some of the people that told me they didn't necessarily vote for him in the CPAC poll was because they don't want him to continue to be attacked by the mainstream media. They want, to say, they want him to go off and have a nice retirement. But then they're going and telling you that if he decides to run again, they're going to be there and their support is going to be intense for him. Mm. Uh, hey, check this out. I was actually surprised. Look, I've been on this show and I've made the case that much of the mainstream media are, in fact, the enemy of the people. I do believe that they have undermined the wellness of this country. Take a look at this poll, though, from Rasmussen. A lot of people are not upset by that label, enemy of the people. Fifty eight percent of voters agree media are the enemy of the people. And, Mark, I think uh, we got a real display of that in 2020, 2019, actually throughout the Trump presidency when they were out to undermine you guys every step of the way, and we all saw it. Well, they were out to undermine us every step of the way, but it was anything that President Trump was for. The the mainstream media came out against, and, and they weren't even willing to uh, to actually come forward with the truth. Here Here's the interesting thing is we could have an anonymous source in the White House, and I was willing to go on the record to refute it, and they would still go with the anonymous source. So the American people see that, and, and honestly, when, when you start to see them going after President Trump each and every day, even now, they continue to do it. That's why that support that Jim's talking about is, is still there. They are not, the conservatives are not moving on from Donald Trump. They're embracing him more and more each and every day. And what we will see is that will continue to grow as more speeches continue to get given. And the belief that he's running again in 2024 becomes real. You know, I think Democrats, some of them are thinking, man, if 
Maybe if he were still in the White House, he'd be a lame duck and we wouldn't have to worry about 2024 <laughs> and Donald Trump. Um, it is amazing, Jim. There is, we've never had a former president with this kind of clout, with this kind of energy uh, in a very, very long time, maybe 100 years ago. Hey, very quickly, uh, the situation in, in Cuba, these anti-government protests, we're also seeing them here in America, the support for the Cubans. Um, this is uh, this is this is intriguing. President Trump put out a, a statement in total solidarity with the folks down there. Politically, uh, what does this mean here in America? I don't know what's going to happen in Cuba, but is there any fallout? Is there anything to be said about the effect here in, say, Florida, Jim? Yeah, I've talked. We do a lot of work down in South Florida. We work with a lot of Cuban politicians, a lot of Cuban Republicans, mayors and members of Congress. I can't tell you how many of them told me today that they wish that Donald Trump was president right now because it, it scares them. They love to see the Cuban people in the streets. They're fighting for freedom. Quite honestly, they're showing a great uh, a great example to the American people right now out there talking about freedom, talking about the evils of communism. So and what scares them, though, is the weakness of the Biden administration right now. It is wild. It is so wild. And uh, I saw some American flags in the mix. Interesting how so many folks are disrespecting the flag in this country these days. Jim McLaughlin from McLaughlin Associates, a great polling group, and uh, Mark Meadows, former chief of staff to President Trump. Thank you, gentlemen. To be continued, I'll be right back. President Trump was talking about aircraft carriers yesterday. This is the USS Gerald Ford. The president visited that when he was president. He has so much insight, this man, into uh, not only building aircraft carriers, but trying to land on them. This is the president at CPAC showing me that uh, he has a special appreciation for what pilots, pilots land on aircraft carriers do. The single hardest thing for a pilot to do is land on an aircraft carrier. Even great pilots can't do it. If they're a little bit claustrophobic, you know, that carrier looks big. But when you're up there flying and moving along at rapid speeds and you're looking at this massive ocean and you have a little deck that you have to land, it's the hardest thing to do. He's right. He's right. And I just got such a kick out of it that he had this appreciation. By the way, not to brag. All right, I'm bragging a little bit. I've done it a few times myself. 158 aircraft carrier landings, and uh, the president is not wrong when he talks about the difficulty entailed. I want to show you that USS Gerald Ford one more time. Uh, big problems with this aircraft carrier, and the president spoke in incredible detail about the issues and the possible solutions only this president could do that. We'll have some of that tomorrow. In the meantime, stand by for Grant, and thank you for sticking with Newsmax.